Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 69. My name is Arvin. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fooliman. Hi, everybody. So today we are doing part two of our Around the NHL podcast, where we go from Minnesota to the end of to Washington, I guess, uh, discussing their offseason moves, how we feel about them, and just general Leafs fans' thoughts on other teams. Yeah, yeah. I have to say it would be really funny if we just ignored the Winnipeg Jets for no reason. That would be but. great. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, I just got the podcast um, early. But yeah, so we're surveying everything. However, we did want to address one big-ish trade. It's big in a very negative sense. But it happened between two teams that we already covered in last week's podcast, the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. And they traded problems, is probably the simplest way to put it. Um the Calgary Flames traded James Neal, who had four years at 5.75, uh, to the Edmonton Oilers. And the Edmonton Oilers traded the infamous man Milan Lucic, who had four years at six. But the Oilers retained 750 grand for the life of the deal, so Lucic actually has a 5.25 cap hit in Calgary. And there is a conditional third that has a very funny condition to me. So if James Neal scores 21 goals next year, and Milan Lucic scores 10 or fewer goals than Neil, the Oilers send Calgary of third. Otherwise, nothing is triggered. I love conditions that are this complex and th- this petty, kind of, where it's like, <laughs> it's like we bet that your guy is going to uh, fuck up more than our guy. It almost feels like, like, this feels like an Ottawa Senators condition almost because it's like, it's almost insurance against it looking too bad. You know what I mean? Like, if it looks like the Oilers are really, like, somehow blowing out the flames on the deal, if Neil has, like, a mini resurgence and scores 25 goals or something, it's like, well, at least we get a third. And the GM looks a little bit less silly for having done it. Like, I almost view it as that kind of, like, insurance against looking like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, so I, I misstated it. It's more, it's, as you said, it's not like we bet our guy's better than your guy. It's the opposite, really. It's insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways to view it. But I actually really want increasingly bizarre and specific pick conditions because so far as I know, there's a huge amount of latitude for what conditions you can put on a draft pick. I don't know that it's restricted in too many ways by the collective bargaining agreements. So I feel like we could see some really insane stuff. Yeah, I, I, I hope this is a sign of things to come. Um, yeah. In terms of like the winners or losers of this trade, we were talking off air about this. And I basically said that I refuse to name a winner and loser here because both teams are losers. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing is before we say, you know, which team might have improved their relative position to what it was before the trade happened. And I have what I think is an answer on that one. But it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. These are two of the worst contracts in the NHL. They got flipped for each other. And... Even if it's like, well, this team is now a little better. This team is in a slightly better position than they were before this happened. It's still like, it's still a bad deal. It's still probably the worst contract on either team that they've acquired now. Which is saying something for Edmonton. Yeah, that's very special. Like, you really have to achieve something there. All of that said, I like this deal from the Edmonton Oilers' perspective. I'm not saying I like it a lot. It feels very weird to like exchanging, you know, the contents of a trash can for the contents of a dumpster or whatever. But I do think that Neil 
is a slightly better bet to rebound. You know, he's historically been a, a quite good finisher. Uh, he shot 5% last year. That probably won't happen again. The Oilers have basically no legitimate scoring wingers. They have whichever of Leandro Seidel and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not playing center that night. And that's their best winger. And after that, it's a bunch of guys who are basically all bottom sixers and genuine talent, if you ask me. James Neal is not that far removed from being a pretty decent NHL scorer. And I think that given that he almost has to get a lot of opportunity, kind of by default, because they don't have any what else to put in there, he's a pretty decent candidate to have a bounce back year. Like, I could easily see him triggering that condition, or at least his end of it, by hitting 21 goals. Yeah. Especially if he gets time with Connor McDavid. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, the, the Oilers have a guaranteed, like, or not a guaranteed, but they have the best possible situation you can put reclamation projects in, which is, hey, play with the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's a bit of an indictment on them that they can offer that to reclamation projects, because in theory, you would, like, a mainstay there, and I guess Dreisaitl is that mainstay on the left side, but... You know, yeah. Dreisaitl probably provides more value if as, you know, maybe the best second line center in the world, as opposed to f- being forced to play him with me, David, because you have literally no one else there. Yeah, that's always been the the problem there lately. I know Hitchcock kind of wrestled with that in terms of like, do I break them up? Uh, because that line is my only one that is really working and at a high and level. And they're genuinely brilliant together. They're extremely good. I mean, so... I think that this could pay out. Now, that said, Milan Lucic could also easily look better in Calgary for basically the default reason that it's hard for him to look worse. Um, he's still been like a decent Corsi player for whatever that's worth. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's been interesting. His his play driving numbers, his isolated threat numbers and RAPM are, are quite good, actually. Better than mm. average. Notably better than average, but he, he can't finish at all, and which, which is kind of the opposite way that people age like normally the shot and the hands remain with people remain with players and their ability to drive play um because often through mobility has declined lucic was never the most mobile person so i guess it's not that surprising he's aging in a different way than a lot of other players but it is somewhat unusual yeah you know i mean i think that certainly calgary will find something to do with him i guess and maybe they were just so tired of James Neal that they were like, eh, we don't want to do this. Having said that, with all the on-ice things going on, I think this trade is made with an eye on buyouts, kind of both ways. James Neal's deal has no signing bonuses whatsoever. Lucic's, uh, if they buy him out after this season, still has $8.5 million left. And so, if you compare the relative buyouts... The Lucic one costs you a fair bit of money the first three years, and then it's only like half a million for Calgary after that. Uh, the James Neal buyout would just be slightly under two million for six years. And given that buyouts, usually the point is I'd like to spread out this pain over a longer time period. Like that's how they work. Um, I suspect that that is a win for the Edmonton Oilers. If Neal has a little resurgence, so much the better. You know, they can try him out for another year and then buy him out after that if they want. But if they go from what they had going on with Lucic to a buyout for James Neal, even with the retained salary, they've certainly improved their position. So 
again, it's garbage in, garbage out. And maybe Lucic will have a weird bounce back. It's hard to predict, but I think I narrowly give Edmonton the edge here. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and that's more time than either of these teams deserve. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So now getting back on the, uh, the marathon that is our journey through the NHL, we're at the Minnesota Wild to kick off the second half of the alphabet, so to speak. Uh, the Minnesota Wild made a couple of low-level trades, made a couple of pick trades, nothing that I think really bears much attention from us. They made a couple of signings that are interesting. Uh, the most prominent one of those is Matt Zuccarello. And Matt Zuccarello... Mm, I love Matt Zuccarello. I like him. He's the tiniest player in the NHL of his caliber. Like He's very small and he's very good. He's like a wizard. I don't know that I like the idea of giving him five years at $6 million per at all. Yeah, he's 31 right now. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, it's... He's worth that right now, I think. He, he is a good player. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, three years from now, probably not. And then, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Minnesota is just in such a weird spot where they, they have those Parise and Suter contracts, which are nightmares, really, right? Mm -hmm. like, worth it, in a sense. They were good players when, when they acquired them. And for a lot of their prime, they were underpaid. But they're going to be reaping the consequences of, of yeah. those deals. Maybe they think, okay, what, we're screwed in three years anyways. That why not yeah. try and get someone who's like somewhat competitive? But they, I don't know, it's weird. I, one of those teams where I don't really understand what they're doing. Um, they have I th they have some yeah, good players. They have they're still randomly not randomly through coaching and through talent. They ha they're an, an elite defensive team. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't really see what's going to propel them into anything besides being a bubble team and likely first round exit yeah this is the thing is that the matt Zuccarello contract almost feels to me like a burn the boats we're in it at like kind of the last gasp of our contending teams run like it feels to me like something that i could have seen pittsburgh doing if they were kind of thinking okay we don't have too many more chances left we just got to get some talent however we can get it whatever and minnesota seems to have that mentality almost without having three quarters of the talent you know what i mean like it's like we're kind of giving the last gasp to this team that was never actually that good and, and as you say you know there are six years left on parisian Suter. they're both 34 their cap hits are 7.5 like that's gruesome i don't know here i i mean Paul Fenton has kind of become the newest GM punchline because he got absolutely hosed on the Nino Niederreiter trade with Carolina. Um, it looked bad at the time. It looks worse since. And I think that it really gave people a perception that he is not all that confident, as well as a couple of other personnel moves that he made. Well, and also getting rid of some of their, I think a lot of their analytics staff. And they had... Yes. Um... <sighs> I know they had AC Thomas and I think someone else, but I believe the creators of War on Ice. Um, yeah, and I, Thomas I'm in particular. Pronounce her name, but it's Alexandra Mandricky. Is that? And I think she's uh, been since hired by Seattle. Seattle, exactly. Which I mean, it's a little interesting that when you, you know someone walks out the door and then a organization that in the very very early stages seems to be doing smart things uh, immediately hires her. I don't know. Yeah, and 
Um, I don't know much of Andriki's background, although she's very highly thought of. So I, mm-hmm. I, I assume she's quite talented. Um, Thomas, I believe, is a PhD. So he, he's, a very he's bright guy. almost certainly taking a pay cut to do hockey stats because it's his passion. And I, again, very highly thought of, certainly has the math and stats and technical chops to succeed in, in his role. It's hard for me to think that he's doing a poor job. Um, and also, well, it's, the- it's, hard, it's hard for me to feel that either Mandricky or Thomas were on board with the Nino trade. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is because by any number you looked at, that trade was a robbery immediately for Carolina on its face. And it turned out pretty quickly, pretty badly for Minnesota. And so you have to wonder what's going on there. Paul Fenton is a relatively new GM in terms of being in the top, top job. You wonder if there's a little bit of, if you're not on board with what we're doing, then you've got to leave. And if you're not on board with what we're doing, you might also get out before the ship sinks. Because I could see this being kind of ugly for Minnesota. As you say, I think they're perfectly set up to exit in the first round. And, you know, uh, maybe it's enough for them to say, well, we'll be in with a chance. Anything can happen once you get to the playoffs. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, tr- they are chained to a treadmill of mediocrity right now. And- a couple of other things regarding yeah. Paul Fenton. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that hurts his standing in the eyes, especially of Stats Twitter, is that he apparently wants to trade Jason Zucker, or at least wanted to trade Jason Zucker, um, who is maybe their best forward right now. Yeah, extremely good on a good contract. Very good contract. He um, Jason Zucker is one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, he's extremely talented. He also uh, always so kills Toronto. He has like, he, I know he he scored a hat trick against us before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's yeah. I I think he's a phenomenal player. The other thing, um, did you see Paul Fenton's quote that was tweeted by the Minnesota Wild after they signed Zuccarello? Uh, oh yeah, the one about the friggin' uh, lizard. Want me thing, to read it? Right? Yes, please do. This is verbatim from the Minnesota Wild Twitter. I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard. The way a lizard takes his ton and sticks it as far as it does and retrieves what it was trying to do. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, you know what? Actually, I wish more GMs went extremely vivid and weird with their similes in discussing the most recent Chinese. There's so many layers to this because, like, one, that's a frog, not a lizard. I mean, I, I, you know what? There's probably lizards that do that, too. There may be You know what? We shouldn't, you know... Yeah. Be predisposed to condemn Paul Fenton on his knowledge of reptiles and amphibians. Yes. So let's give him credit and say there is a lizard that does it. There probably is. Lizards are pretty cool. Um, I don't see the connection to Matt Zuccarello. I also like that Paul Fenton thought that this was the thing to say and that the Minnesota Wild social media team thought, yes, this is the tweet that we have, or this is the quote (laughs) that we have to tweet that will describe to our fans exactly what we're looking for and why Matt Zuccarello is a good addition to this team. Yeah, like... They heard him say that, and they were like, stop drilling, you have hit oil, baby. Like, this is the thing that we want to tell people about our team, is that we're going to compare Matt Zuccarello to a freaking lizard tongue. Um, I don't know. There's a lot... The other thing we should say is Paul Fenton, I believe, hired... Um, no, I, I'm, I'm misremembering the relationship, but he hired someone who was relatively close to him in a personal sense. Wasn't it his and, son? It might have been his... I can't remember if it was his son or his nephew. But uh, I think it was his son. And uh, some people criticized him and said that this was nepotistic. 
And his defense was, well, he worked for Peter Chiarelli. And Peter <laughs> Chiarelli said he was great. And so if you want to convince Stats Twitter oh. to laugh at you forever, I would suggest getting a personal reference for Peter, Peter Chiarelli, who is widely considered the worst general manager of all time. Actually, before this trade happened, and again, I'm saying actually the Oilers won this trade under Ken Holland. I think that they did well in a relative sense. But Dom at The Athletic was saying the Oilers did very little this offseason, and that immediately makes it one of the best offseasons they've had this decade. Yeah. And that's like, that's unequivocally true. <laughs> like, mm, that's damning. Anyway, so I guess that's the uh, the wavelength that Minnesota appears to be on. More seriously, even in giving some credit to Fenton, because I think he has an extremely difficult position yes. as a general manager. Like, I honestly do think the Minnesota Wild are chained to a treadmill, so to speak, where it's like they are not in a position where they can very easily upgrade or where they can very easily give up in terms of, like, let's tank and burn the whole thing down. Yeah, and they have some interesting decisions to make. Actually, one other thing. I, I think I still think Mike Milbury is the worst GM of all time. Yeah, you know what? Um, really is, like, the modern contender. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike Milbury um, is, They like have an interesting the decision worst. to make with Jared Spurgeon, who is... Yes, they have an interesting decision to make with Jared Spurgeon, uh, the Wild mm-hmm. do. Because Spurgeon is an excellent player. He's 29. He's a UFA at the end of the, at the, end of the year. Currently making 5.2 mil, roughly. Um, mm-hmm. he would f- fetch a pretty penny at the trade deadline. Yes, he would. And he, it, yeah. it, it's also unclear whether you would want to sign a 29-going-on-30-year-old undersized defenseman long-term. So, you know, do, do they cut bait on him? Do they want to re-sign him? What are his demands? I really don't know. He's a guy who's rumored to the Leafs for a long time because just because he fits the hole and Minnesota's dumb, so Leaf fans can dream about fleecing them. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what they do with him. Yeah, they've got a tough decision to make. I I mean, the thing is, is that from where they're sitting right now, you'd kind of think they're thinking we have to keep our good players. I mean, And he's a top pair right defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's the smallest top pair defenseman that I can think of in recent memory um, at 5'9". Yeah, it depends on you feel about peak Toby Enstrom and I guess Tory Krug. Tory Krug, is, maybe. He, but I think Krug is taller. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he's, anyway, certainly, so. he's certainly on the list of smallest strong defensemen. Um McAvoy is, mm. is quite small, isn't he? I, don't, I think he's still bigger than Spurgeon. Yeah. But yeah, he's not like gigantic. I think, you know, I think even the teams that are perceived to be relatively old school do recognize that there are these guys who can play. And as much as, you know, a lot of people were making fun of Paul Fenton, he had another terrific quote. I hope he keeps talking to the media throughout his tenure. Uh, but he had a thing about like how everyone was happy when tall people were picked by them. Like it's like whenever we drafted a tall kid, there were all smiles around the table or something. But then he did go and sign Matt Zuccarello, who, again, is very small. So, you know, it's not like I think that he's totally blind to talent or anything like that. Yeah. Speaking it's of tall just, people who yeah. were drafted somewhat recently, they um, the Leafs kind of uh, connect to Minnesota in that we traded Fedor Gordiev to them for a conditional 2027th round pick uh, earlier this offseason. One of the biggest moves we made. Um, I would say the biggest move we made. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the condition was them signing Gordiev to an ELC, which they did. So... That's we mentioned I think a couple weeks ago that hey the Leafs have like basically a third of the seventh round in next year. <laughs> that's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah, every little bit of the time. So, so by and large, I think the bottom line on Minnesota is I actually don't think that their off season in and of itself is like 
catastrophically stupid. I think the Matt Zuccarello deal probably ends kind of ugly, but I also don't know where they go from here. I think they're in a pretty depressing spot. Yeah, they're just, in, they're just in a tough spot, right? They're paying the piper for um, those contracts that they signed, and unfortunately, they, those didn't result in any sustained playoff success, although it did result in, you know, consistent making the playoffs, which is, which is not nothing. Like, we tend to look down on those teams, but... The Leafs couldn't manage that for the better part of the last 15 years, so. Oh, yeah, I remember that painfully and vividly. Um, so next up is uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I think we can all agree that, boo! Um, the Montreal Canadiens had a bit of a weird offseason. Uh, they tried to offer sheet Sebastian Ajo. They did not go big enough. I will say this. I actually respect that Mark Bergevin tried. He just didn't try enough. He needed to swing for the fences. And the deal that he offered Ajo was one that Carolina matched, as we know. And so he was left with not doing very much. But at least he tried. So I will offer him some grudging respect for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, mean, eh, you know. <laughs> worth something. Yeah. You know, points for effort. Uh, they did uh, the Andrew Shaw trade to Chicago in which for the the, the return for which was a second, a seventh, and a third. So nice little cluster of draft picks. They're probably selling high on him, I would think. Yeah, I thought that was a smart uh, trade. Like, Bergevin mm-hmm. has always kind of made good trades on the margins, and then he's just like made some big, big catastrophic errors, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Sergeyev for Drouin was a big error that doesn't look good. Um Subban for Weber, I think Weber is very, very good, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's hard to call it a mistake in that sense, but like it, it definitely shortened the timeline of the team just because of their respective ages. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably not an ideal move. But they, they do still have a good roster. The interesting thing, yeah, interesting thing to me about them is that like they were very nearly a playoff team last year. They're going to look to mm-hmm. make the playoffs this year for sure. Um, yes. But you know they kept their powder dry for the most part they have four and a half four million in cap space right now and that's with 15 forwards on their roster they're not going to carry 15 forwards obviously so Mm -hmm. they're going to have like a decent amount of cap space that they haven't really leveraged at least for this year and i understand that like they're going to want to keep they don't want to tie up long-term money because they're going to have to pay kotkaniemi in a couple years um brendan gallagher in a couple years is going to get potentially a big raise although that'll be a very interesting case because he'll be like 29 when that when his contract mm-hmm. expires and he's and a guy who does not play a soft style at all so. exactly and he's know. been grossly underpaid he's making less than four mil um but yeah. and he's, he wanna... he's probably their best player or yes. the best forward yes yeah. so do you want to commit to him long term who knows um so yeah i'm i'm kind of i thought maybe they would want to weaponize their cap space more than they have uh they got they could have been a they could have gotten in on the Marlowe sweepstakes, could they not? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, um, if they would have wanted to do that. But I think that they were like, we're going to take a big swing and offer sheet somebody. They were sniffing around uh, Braden Point, who plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Point he did not give them a meeting. Very interesting. <laughs> and then they pursued Sebastian Ajo as they did. I really thought that they thought that they were going to offer sheet somebody. And then when that didn't work out, they were kind of left standing around um all the chairs were taken and the music stopped playing exactly and so they're still a pretty decent team you know like ryan paling um 
I think is going to be on the team next year. He's not even listed, actually, amongst all those forwards. Yeah. Um, and so he'll be good. I don't know if Max Domi is going to replicate what he did, but I think it's fair to say that Domi for Galchenyuk is probably one of those examples where stats Twitter came down on the wrong side of a trade. Maybe not as strongly as... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as it yeah. seems like I don't I didn't see too many people saying like, oh, this is a robbery the other way or something. But I think a lot of people thought that the Canadians probably got edged out there. And they I think Domi has outperformed what people expected. Yeah. And I mean, Gauchenyuk's also one of those guys who has like a Phil Kessel level defensive impact. Mm-hmm. Who, funny enough, he was traded for, as we covered last time. Circle of life. But, uh, you know, they're well positioned to be a decent team if they didn't have that sort of. TikTok in the background from Shea Weber and Carey Price, mm-hmm. I would actually feel pretty good as a Canadiens fan. So as a Leafs fan, that means I would feel bad. Yeah, like they're they're, uh, like, uh, they're a basically prime age and pre prime team, mm-hmm. um, with two old guys who are also their two most significant cap hits by a huge amount. Exactly, like you know they've got eighteen plus million committed to these two guys who are into their thirties and who are aging. And Carey Price rebounded to be a. Uh, a pretty good starter last year. But if, you know, th- things catch up with him and he starts to decline and has sort of a, an ugly sta- set of uh, years in his 30s, that's going to be really rough for them. That's going to be tough to navigate. Uh, there was a point where I said the Carey Price contract might have been the worst in the league um, because he had about a year and a half where he was like really, really struggling with injuries and bad play. Uh, he's rebounded from that again. But I still think that, like, it would not be too many GMs who would be lining up to take that deal in the trade, which probably tells you something. Yeah, I agree. It's it's interesting. Um, the, I think they could very easily be a playoff team. I'm, I'm really high in Kotkaniemi. I think he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber are two great defensemen, two top-pairing yeah. defensemen, both on the right side, but... Nonetheless, it's helpful. Victor Mete can't buy a goal, but I think he's good. Mm-hmm. They, ha- they have they have but, some players. Carl Alsner is hilariously still on their uh, rock. I think yeah, they they sent him they down. They buried him at in some the point. AHL. Yeah, and then they, well, they signed. Um, uh, now this was really weird, and it was almost like it, it's not that big a deal, but they signed Ben Chiaro or Chiarot. I don't even. It's Chiarot. Sure, right. Yeah, I'll I'll get it on the third try. I don't blame you. He's but from gave, he he was previously in Winnipeg. Okay, so you know, right now that's a whole other world. But they gave him the three years at three point five, and it's like he seems like a third pair defenseman from his, everything that I can find on him. His numbers are not particularly good. I mean, I, I said that Bergevin's a guy who's made good moves on the margins. Maybe those moves don't really apply to his defensemen. No, if I, I if there's a weakness of really of him, know. it's maybe his ability to evaluate defensemen. Yeah, I think I think that that's been an issue. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're doing there, and that feels to me like it's kind of sneakily like a waste of a couple million dollars. Like, I, I guess they're expecting that he's going to play top four ish. Yeah, because, I guess they'll put him on know, a pair with said, either Weber or Petrie. Yeah, and then Mete the, will play with the, the other. Habs are like, yeah, the Habs are the rare team that is actually quite deep on right defense uh, at the top, and not so much on left defense. So. I don't know. I mean, I guess the, they decided that they had to do something and he might have been what was available. Um, As we covered before, it was not a particularly strong defense market. 
No. Although, and I mean, they were linked a lot to Jake Gardner, and then he would, apparently he would look that... great on this team. I mean, I would throw up, but with Jake Gardner, they're a playoff team. I think so. Yeah, like it made an enormous amount of sense to me. Well, and, and yet, and I guess they couldn't come to terms, and now they don't really have the cap space unless he comes in at a big discount, which he might. And well, I mean, they they have so many guys on their forward roster who are making like a million. So you save like you send down three of them, or send down they have fifteen right now. Send down three of them mm-hmm. making a million, right? That's literally three million mm-hmm. saved because you don't even have to replace those. And then you bring up Paling, who's making nine twenty five k. Um, send down I don't know. Matthew Pekka, who's making 1.3. Right? Like, they, they can Why is create... Matthew Pekka making 1.3? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit weird. Um, yeah. They could create room for Gardner. I don't know whether he would sign there. I mean, that's that's the thing that's always unknown. The, the, the Gardner situation is just weird. He's, like, by far, by far the best free agent on the market right now. And the mm-hmm. only thing I can think of that's stopping him from signing... Two things. One... This is a sentimental thing. He's waiting on the Leafs to see how the Marner situation shakes out because if the Leafs, God forbid, do end up having to trade Mitch Marner, then we will probably have some cap space and we would probably like to retain Jake. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, teams are just really, really hesitant about his back. Yeah, and I have to think so because at this point, like, as much as you might love Toronto and playing here and everything about that, I don't think that you would be waiting three weeks into July on this, especially because there's no end in sight on the Mitch Marner thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like uh, that's not going to get you know, resolved till Labor Day. Probably not, if then. So, yeah, I don't know. And the only thing, other thing I can think of is that if you're Jake Gardner with Jake Gardner's style of play and Jake Gardner's penchant for memorable errors... Um, and Jake Gardner's poor injury-riddled playoffs. Yes. Um, but, like, playing in Montreal could be pretty unpleasant yeah that's um, also very true and he doesn't speak french either no he does not maybe he's we should change his name to jake gardiner <laughs> jardinier yeah or something like that uh yeah but i don't know so i kind of hope that he doesn't sign with the habs yeah that would make me very <laughs> goes sad. to the only fan base that's potentially more toxic than toronto's yeah <laughs> it's true you know but, you know what um, i i felt the fans didn't hate me enough in toronto <laughs> Yeah. I think more of that. I really want to turn up the dial here on this and just, like, get absolutely loathed. Um, um, but can you think of a better defenseman to pair with Gardner than Shea Weber, though? No, that's the thing, is it's, that the team fit is perfect. It's brilliant. Yeah, like, I, I would, gr- like, grudgingly really respect that. Um, that, would be, that would be a really good top pairing. Yes, and, you know, I think with their, their forwards coming into their own, I think that they would really start knocking on the door of uh, being seated even in the Atlantic. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, the Habs are in a bit of a weird position. It is, much to my sorrow, by no means a totally negative one. And I think I have to say I wrote an article once, like, really making fun of Mark Bergevin. And uh, I got to tell you I enjoyed it. i do it again. But since I did that... He's actually made a lot of moves that I think have turned out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think if you're a Habs fan, you can feel cautiously optimistic. Not for, like, those bananas reasons that I keep seeing where they're like, this is just an aside, but if you've seen some of these, like, galaxy brain defenses of the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet where they're like, oh, it, uh, it showed teams that players want to play here or something like that. What are you talking about? It was a big swing that was not big enough on an RFA. And the RFA was getting lowballed by his team, and that's it. 
You don't have to make it more than that. You don't have to turn it into some, like, you know, Bergevin was actually playing nine-dimensional chess, and he was signaling to the league he didn't even really expect Aho to come here or something like that. Um, anyway, that's just gotten really bizarre. I mean, if but, he didn't if he uh, didn't expect Aho to come, if he just thought, okay, this is going to be a signal, I think that's not a great use of that, that cap space then. No, then then it's really stupid, which is, like, I don't think that, that that's what he was doing. The upside is you could effort, get but... a 1C for a fair, an, an underpay, really. Yeah, which is still, like, their major issue is, uh, you know, Kotkaniemi might do it for them, but they don't have, like, a bona fide 1C. Yeah, not not um, yet, not at this moment. Not at this moment, so. But they, anyway, they, they do so, have they yeah. do have good prospects. Yeah, they've Nick, got Nick Suzuki, Suzuki. Also, looks really they've good. Got Paling. Yeah, I like. I'm not happy about how much I like what the Habs are doing in the abstract. Mm. No, they're, they're they've been anyway. smart for a little bit now. It's frustrating. <sighs> Gross. We gotta like trade them Fred or Gochi and like steal one of their prospects or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go back nice. to overvaluing French guys. Uh, okay, so the next up are the Nashville Predators. Uh, the Nashville Predators had a big offseason, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the most memorable thing is they dealt P.K. Saban. Um, and they did it for a return that I think is pretty much by any definition very paltry. It was a cap dump. The point was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was a cap dump. It was a cap dump of a defenseman who, man, uh, you know, there are a lot of differing opinions on P.K. Saban and, you know, there's also a lot of chatter about his personality and then there's a racial component underneath the surface about how he's talked about. He's a really, really good defenseman. He didn't mm-hmm. have a great year last year, but, like, man, I am still kind of surprised that even at $9 million, and it's not like it's a bad term deal, but I'm surprised that even at $9 million, there weren't takers for better than two frankly probably not going anywhere players in two seconds because that's what it was um steven santini is not really any kind of nhl defenseman and he's not really young enough that we can expect him to get much better and then they've got jeremy davies who's by all accounts a b prospect i i don't know i still find that quite surprising but anyway um so they dealt pk saban to the new jersey devils who are looking pretty cool uh, coming out of the offseason. And then they went and they made their big move that's been rumored since forever. And they signed Matt Duchesne uh, to a term contract for $8 million. It's seven years. So, I mean, I guess kind of what Nashville was doing. Ultimately, the idea is we're stacked at defense. We need to reallocate to forward. They really don't seem like they've ever quite got that high-end offense that they keep searching for, um, or, like, that quality top center. Like, they seem to be searching for him in Ryan Johansson, who's a very good two-way player, and Kyle Turris, who's a pretty good two-way player, but hasn't really delivered in Nashville like they hoped. And now they're trying with Matt Deshane, who is not really a defensive center at all, but who has some scoring ability. Yeah, he's a very strong shooter. Yeah, so... I mean, I think unquestionably they're stronger at at forward. And, you know, it, it is worth noting the um, the Roman Yossi extension is kind of hanging all over this. Roman Yossi they view as their best defenseman. He might be. Um, That's one of those fascinating things to argue about the different national defensemen. But he's coming up unrestricted next offseason. 
And so they're going to have to give him a big fat raise. So I guess they decided that this is the team. Like, this is what's going to do it. Do they look like they're a genuine cup contender to you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think they're in that. Maybe, but. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're in that tier with, I think, that where the Leafs and other teams belong, where they're not clearly like an elite, elite, elite team, but they're clearly mm-hmm. quite good. Yeah. Right? Like, like last year, I was just looking up their numbers. Um, they were eighth in 5v5 goal share, which is always a good sign. Um, they controlled play decently well, 51% expected goals, uh, like 52% Corsi. So, I mean, y- you want to not get carried away with the ranks because the difference between a 52% Corsi and a 52.5% Corsi, which might be like three ranks in the NHL, um, mm-hmm. that's like a shot or, an, or like a third of an expected goal per game or something. It's, it's a mm-hmm. very small amount. But yeah, they're they're a good five on five team. The the biggest issue to me is their power play. Their power play has been awful for a while, and it's just I watch their power play, and it is the dumbest setup I have seen in my life. And and maybe part of this is maybe this is kind of a hidden benefit of them reallocating from from defense to forward. But they were they played a lot of three forward two defenseman power plays. Which are typically they were one of the few efficient. teams in the league that still did. Too. Yes, typically not as efficient um, from the research that's currently been done. There's, there's factors you have to consider in, but um, broadly speaking, I think that's fair to say. And in particular, their power play seemed focused on point shot blast. A lot of them from Subban, and that's a legitimate detraction from Subban's play, especially on the power plays. Like he shouldn't shoot that much. Mm-hmm. Subban probably has a good shot for a defenseman, but. It's just not an efficient shot. It's like being a great mid-range shooter in the NBA. Like it's it's a good yeah, shot. Like it's a good it's thing a cool to have. Skill set, but if we're over relying on it, that's yes, a problem. You, yeah, it, it's nice to have, but you don't want that to be the basis of your entire offense um, mm-hmm. as a team. So, in theory, they have the they have the personnel to build a strong power play unit, right? Their their four best forwards in some order are Duchesne, Arvidsson, Johansson, and Philip Forsberg. Those are four excellent players. Mm-hmm. Um, Yossi is a good power play quarterback so they should be able to construct a power play that is not as awful as last year's mm-hmm. I think if they do that that'll put them in like that'll put them in the reasonable range to contend yeah and you know I think that they're in have a chance territory to like to win a cup I'm not saying like have a chance in some sort of like bad sense i think that they're like a top quartile team for sure but it's just after all that i don't know i guess i've just been expecting a move to the very top table kind of thing from nashville and they haven't quite been able to do it in my estimation maybe this was as close as they were going to come and you know it's certainly it's very hard to you know get on a level with the tampa bay lightning for example yeah i I think I don't know. I think I'm. I guess since I'm a bit more positive on them than you, I think they're a good but flawed team, which essentially in the NHL puts them anywhere from two to ten. Yeah, that's true. And the West is like kind of wide open. Like I think it's it's fair to say. I, and again, you know, we said this last time. It's always wide open in hockey. But like, you can make an argument for Nashville being the best team in the Western Western Conference. I think that. That's entirely defensible. So, you know, maybe they are. Maybe it's just that I'm a little lower on Duchesne. I'm a little not so sure about that price tag. And I like P.K. Saban. But 
you know, they're a very good team. And, you know, if they, they tear through the western half of the bracket um, next year, who knows? I guess I just... It feels to me like this is kind of it now. Like, they've committed to this group, and they're like, this is what we're taking our big swing with. And they've got a few years to do it. It's not like that team is aging out as long as they can replace Pekarune. Um, and UC Sorrow so seems we'll see. like a, a good, a decent bet to do that. Although, Rene has a longish contract, doesn't he? No. Uh, actually, oh, two, two years. years left to five yeah, it's only two years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just, uh, I was expecting too much in terms of what was going to be possible for personnel transactions. They're a very good team. And they still and... have a ridiculous top four, especially if you're if you're high, as many people are, on Dante Fabro. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that he'll be playing in the top four yet, but I guess we're going to find out. Well, it's either but, him or Santini, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and so have you met at NHL coaches? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it may be. It's a, probably a question of when. But he's a very cool prospect. And, you know, Alice, Yossi, Ekholm, that's great. They'll get Yossi locked up, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, he's their captain. Yeah. What, what, what kind of joke yeah. team loses their captain to free agency? It's probably never happened. So, yeah, I, I think that... Um, you know, by and large, you know, you're right. I, I'm kind of talking myself into them as it goes. It's the um, NHL. It's, it, it, I find it hard to make really declarative statements about like the order in which teams are, except for the really obvious ones. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like teams are in kind of four categories to me. Um, one is like one is Tampa Bay. Two mm-hmm. is good but flawed, which is like eight other teams. Then there's like a big yeah. mass of bubble teams. And I'm like, okay, yeah, these guys could do well, but their most realistic outcome is being a bubble team and then maybe winning a round in the playoffs. And if they get lucky, maybe two. Yeah. And then lastly is the no-hopers. Right, yeah. so that's a very crude segmentation, but that's how it kind of is in the NHL. Yeah, and, you know, as we saw, you know, we had Tampa Bay as above everyone else. I still have them above everyone else, but they got jumped by okay. Columbus, and I guess we'll talk a bit about that. But yes. um, ne- Next up are the New Jersey Devils, who were on the other end of that P.K. Saban trade, so that's kind of convenient timing. Um, obviously, the Saban trade is very big for them. Uh, they've massively upgraded their defense. They did it without giving up a lot in terms of assets. Um, I think that Ray Shiro can be very proud of that trade. Um, they also won the lottery and drafted Jack Hughes, which is huge and franchise-defining. Um, it's very interesting to me to see where the Devils are going because they've been—they, you know—they were still pretty bad last year. Like they made the playoffs once off a absolutely unbelievable Taylor Hall season. He was injured last season. Um, And next year, at the end of next season, he goes unrestricted. And so there's a real question here about, like, it seems like they might be trying to sell Taylor Hall on the future of the New Jersey Devils by, you know, adding P.K. Saban and saying, like, we're really moving towards this. Um, We've got a core we can build around. So this is a big year for them. Um, they were indeed like most really bad last year. 47% Corsi, which is putrid, yeah. third worst in the league. Um, 44% goals, 4%, so even worse than that, which you would expect from a bad team because they don't have shooting or goaltending necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like... Th- this year, is, I think you allude to this, it- it's basically prove to Taylor Hall that we can build a contender. Yes. 
And, you know, it's worth a shot. They're doing everything that they, they can. They signed Wayne Simmons, and I have to say, maybe general managers are getting smarter, or I don't know what, but I thought the Wayne Simmons contract was going to end up being pretty bad. And maybe it's because he had, you know, like a, a rough time after being traded at the deadline. But one year for $5 million is a totally fine bet on him. That's like It's still I mean, too much money, but New Jersey, but New Jersey like, has no need for... They have $18 million in cap space. Yeah, I don't. Know I what, mean, they they care about real money, but like cap space is nothing to them. What are they going to so, do with all this cap space? Uh, well, I mean, they got to extend Taylor Hall to a bit. Well, <laughs> yes, but he's deal. not taking eighteen million. That's not he's not Mitch Marner. <laughs> uh, I laugh, but I cry inside. Uh, and then Nico Hishier also needs an extension. Um, yes, yeah, so, but but again, like, like Hishier, I think is going to be a guy who is going to be underpaid because he hasn't put up big counting numbers, but he, he is quite good. Um, yes. And so well, it's like, this is the thing is they could probably still add next summer if they can, you know, get people to live in New Jersey. So Yeah. Well, yeah, I just don't... They have a bunch of players who I really like. Like, Hall is amazing. I'm a big fan of Heeshear. I think Jack Hughes... I mean, I'm not a prospect expert, but everything I've read about Jack Hughes says he is likely to be a star... PK Subban, I I like, and I think if he can rebound from last year, like he's a he's a one D. Damon Severson's okay, but then there's just mm-hmm. not a whole lot else in terms of like really really strong high end players. Like there's good utility players like Miles Wood and Blake Coleman, Travis Ajax still good in those thirty four. Um, Palmieri chips in a lot of offense. Yeah, he scores more than most people think he does. Yeah, so it, I, I guess. I mean, Sammy Vatanen, who's a guy who was rumored to the Leafs for a while, and I think we both kind of said, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like an a- he's like an average second-pair defenseman, I think, an average NHL defenseman, really. Yeah. Um, you know, he's so, fine. Yeah, I, yeah I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, the the I'm, thing about them is that, like, Taylor Hall, in that one year where, he, you know, he won the heart and everything— even then, and I know that on-off splits are like a crude evaluating tool, but they were so stark with him. Like when they were on, Jersey was when he was on, Jersey was pretty good, and when he was off, Jersey was execrably bad. And you know, last year with him injured, they were kind of hopeless. Yeah, and and, and so it's like, where's the supporting cast? Yeah, did, didn't Jersey um, in that year? Did they? I, I didn't have like super high PDO or anything, but I think there was like mm-hmm. some. They had some form of unsustainable luck. I think that that people that stats people were, were pointing out, and I can't remember what it was now. I think it might have been one goal games. Yeah, it's usually one or the other. PTO, one goal games, or, you know, goaltending is also part of PTO, so. Yeah. Really one of those. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Corey Schneider looks like he's kind of done now. <clears throat> he has three yeah. years left at six mil. Mackenzie Blackwood is their hope for the future, essentially, and they need him to be good, more or less. Like, that's the most important part of their franchise coming up, even, I'd say, more so than Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just interesting. Like I, I don't look at this team and see a playoff team just with the roster. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. It, I think it depends a lot on Jack Hughes. If he has a like a really, really, really good uh, season. But what's what, what's the I upper bound it. on how good? Let's say he's as good as Austin Matthews in his rookie year. Yeah. Which is a very high bar. Oh, well, what, the way I'm thinking is okay. If Jack Hughes is as good as Austin Matthews then they have two legitimately a pretty good forward lines. They can probably put together, if P.K. Saban rebounds, 
Um, two good to very good defense pairings, and then they need Where's to the second? Ending. Uh, whichever one that uh, Severson is on. Because they're both right. So Saban and whoever, Severson and... But I think those are, those are like average. That's like, that's like, that's not an embarrassing first pairing. If you, if you do, mm-hmm. I don't know, Green and Subban. But that's not like, yeah. I'm not terrified of that. No, it's not a superstar pairing. So but I'm saying like, it, it could it, be pretty it seems like good. There's upside. a lot of stuff that could be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, like, you're talking yourself into saying like, okay, well, if everything goes well, maybe this team could be above average. Yeah. The, like, there's not really a scenario where I look at them and I'm like, contender. For, for all I complained about Nashville, Nashville is in another stratosphere for this team. Yeah, and and, um, and the Metro is always kind of... Um, there's always a lot of teams in the mix. Like, there, it, there, there aren't teams that are not trying to be competitive in the Metro. Yeah, not really. Um, so I now, that said, I, it's not as intimidating as it as it once was. Like, no, there's cer- been a real Certainly not. Decay. But I, I just don't really see it. And then, do you know what the really interesting question is? If, if they're out of it, if they're not doing well in January, do we see Tater Hall get moved? Oh, boy. You, I mean, you talk about a high-end like, rental. Like, That's the yeah, most the impactful rental like, we will see in, a, like, a while. I know. And, like, I mean, I guess if they know that he's not going to sign, they have no choice. But, like, man, that is a credibility of the franchise thing. You know, like we've talked about, it. it's like you got Taylor Hall. You won one of the most lopsided trades of all time. You have a real, real, really good core player. I know that his next contract is probably going to be ridiculous, but I almost feel it's like you just got to do something. But what if he doesn't want to sign? Like, that, that, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm... then you're screwed. <laughs> you know, and then it sucks. Like, I'm not saying that this is necessarily all in their control. Yeah. But like. Like, I think, uh, I don't know, Hall has made comments of like, I've been in. I've won one playoff game in my career. Yeah. You know, I I want to go to a place where I could win. Yeah. This team, I think they have the potential to do that in the future. Absolutely. They have Nico Hishier and, and Jack Hughes. That's a 1-2 center pairing that will, it will be the envy of a bunch of teams going forward. If Blackwood can mm-hmm. be a, a number one goalie, they have the kind of the spine set. Right? Yeah. It, but it's everything else sure. around that that is just completely in flux right now and it just doesn't appear to be particularly good. Yeah. So I, I can no, see... No, it's true. It could get ugly. Yeah, I can see Hall saying, you know, I want to go to a, a team where they are a contender next year. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, now I'm trying to think of any way that Toronto could acquire Taylor <laughs> Hall. It, it, it's not possible. Mitch Marner signed the $12 million offer sheet. Yeah, Save yeah, it, the money. It, it's not possible Taylor to Hall. have both Marner and Hall, essentially. <laughs> Damn. Unless, well, unless <laughs> <laughs> you would have to trade, you have to trade Kappen and Janssen and probably Kerfoot. Oh, well, then we can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, here's, okay, galaxy braining this. We trade CeCe for nothing, right? <laughs> we replace him with a street free agent. But mm-hmm. so, see, here, here's the problem. We, Martin Marincin, obviously. Yes, but we can't even <laughs> like the 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 somewhat more realistic case to like signing someone like Taylor Hall or to acquiring someone like Taylor Hall is to acquire him as a rental and knowing it'll be a rental. But the Leafs mm-hmm. can't even do that because we're not going to be able to bank cap space because we're going to use long term IR. Yeah, and we don't have our first next year. Exactly. Although so. New Jersey might prefer first later out, but like 
that's an insane degree of going all in. That would be a Columbus degree of going all in. I mean, but, but, <laughs> Hall, Matthews, Nylander. I I mean, <laughs> we've got, we've like, we've already started thinking about this, even though we both know that there's a 0% chance it can ever happen. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, if we don't pick this up, we're going to be here for f- five hours. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> the New Jersey Devils are better and they did some interesting stuff but i don't think that they're very good i think you're right about that so let's move on to the new york islanders the new york islanders according to cap friendly have not made a trade in the last calendar year um the last last trade they made was with us yeah (laughs) that's interesting Uh, matt martin and email mcadam uh you know the story's been well told at this point the new york islanders looked like they were trying to tank and build around guys who were good in the room uh, they rode some outstanding goaltending and some good team defense to the playoffs. They won in round one over the Pittsburgh Penguins, a series that a lot of people expected them to lose, and then they got stomped. And so after all that, and then of course the prelude to that whole season was Tavares leaving them, they had to make a decision as to what are we going to do now. And what we were going to do now was apparently to sign Anders Lee to seven years at $7 million. Speaking of credibility as a franchise... I think they kind of just had to pay their captain to do something. It would be really bad to lose two captains in two consecutive summers to unrestricted free agency. Yep, I agree. Um, that said, the fact was they were trying to get Artemi Panarin, and he was not all that interested, apparently. And so he went elsewhere. So now, like, I don't know. They also let Robin Lehner go, and that was a whole thing. Robin Lehner seemed like he wanted to stay. They seem to go in another direction. Lehner signed for one year at $5 million with Chicago. The Islanders went with Semyon Varlamov for four years at $5 million. I don't know. It... The thing about is Robin Lehner has had some personal difficulties. He's talked quite openly about his struggles with uh, alcoholism and mental illness. And he managed to make you know, some major life improvements. He turned it around. He had a brilliant season. It's very hard to not wonder if that somehow played into how the Islanders treated him in negotiations, frankly. Because he looks like an outstanding goaltender. He kind of carried that team, and they kind of just didn't seem all that interested in keeping him. I think the issue was partially, and we're looking at this from afar, so I don't have all the information. But I think a big part of the issue was just that Leonard doesn't have a huge track record of success. But at the same time, he he signed a one-year deal. Yeah, like, what's the downside risk there? Um, I guess that he's very good again, and then you have to give him a real raise. But, uh, you know, so they picked up Varlamov, but Varlamov, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even think he's that good. <laughs> like, you gave him four years at $5 million. Yeah. I. You know, if you're looking at who you're going to bet on, I'd prefer Leonard for uh, several reasons. Yeah, and then, but, I mean, when you look at their forwards, it's... They have a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys, and most of them are good. Lee is good, Nelson's yeah. good, Everly's good. Um, Barzal, they're going to sign him after this season. They're going to sign him to a lot of money, and he's going to deserve it. So mm-hmm. they, they're stuff there. Their fourth line is still too expensive. It, it, look, it, it all comes down to, are they 
if they don't get the same goaltending that they got last year, they're basically an average team, I think. Or worse. Well, well, I think I think like, they're I, like I think they're a below average team. I think they're a below average roster, but I think their coaching is good. And I think yeah, that's probably fair to say. Like like their their xG was like fifty percent last year, which when you look at that roster, you wouldn't expect that. Right. So no, they had a fifty percent xG, and then their goaltending took them above that. So uh, yeah, I guess, uh, and they, yeah, I guess they do have <laughs> they do have like a bright future coming. They they have Oliver Wallstrom. I don't know if he's going to be in the NHL this year. And same with um, Noah Dobson. I don't know if he's in the NHL this year. But they have mm. they have something some things going for them. But they do have a lot of money tied up in prime age guys who are I'm not sure are worth that money in a few years. So yeah, I'm not super high on them. I, I, also mean, I don't like the defense. Pardon? I don't like the defense group, which is weird because they're a good defensive team and they've gotten good results out of that. Yeah. But, like, I don't like that Johnny Boychuk deal. I don't know about Nick Letty at this stage of his career. Thomas Hickey's okay, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just look at this and I... You, you, I the know. roster I don't is know deeply unimpressive. Roster. Yeah. And it, but That's probably what keeps jumping out at me. Yes, but they did legitimately cobble together some actual results last year. Now, who knows how mm. much that is going to sustain, right? At, a lot, as we said, a lot of the overperformance was goaltending, and that's not something that solid to hang your hat on. No, especially when you you know changed goaltenders. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I think that's yeah. probably enough on on them. As you said, we we do need to speed yeah. it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what they're doing. Um, also, the New York Rangers had a big day at the races. Yeah. In terms of this off season. Um, Maybe as big an offseason as anyone had in the NHL, you could probably say. Uh, the the Rangers very famously declared openly that they were doing a rebuild. And they seem to be doing a lot of good rebuild things. And then... Rebuild over zero cap space. Yeah, bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, the chance came to sign Artemi Panarin. They were like, fuck rebuilds. Those are for losers. And so, yeah, they gave Artemi Panarin $11.64 million. And, um, I mean... That makes... Yeah, we said this with Geron Tavares last year. If you can sign, look, that contract will probably not... It, it's exactly like the John Tavares contract in that John Tavares will probably not be worth $11 million, or and Panarin will probably not be worth $11.6 million in three years. But mm-hmm. you got the chance to add a legitimately elite player for nothing but cap space. That does not come around often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they so, did it. Know, they did it. And now they have someone who can be the best player on a championship team. Yep, and good on them for that. They also traded for Jacob Truba, and then they just signed him to a fat yeah. extension. So I've been coveting seven years at eight million. Yeah, I've been coveting <laughs> Truba for a while. So and like my first thought was like, oh, that's a rich extension. But I guess I'm guessing he's worth it. I looked at his stats; they're not as good as I remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you know, they they traded for the guy. That they have to sign him, right? You're not gonna yeah. like do the arb dance with him. It's yeah. probably a bit. It's probably a bit much. Um, they, they don't really have much much flexibility now. That's that's the thing. They really don't. Um, no, they're locked in. It is. But before we uh, we zoom past it in the free agency, it's worth noting though they got the second lottery. Yeah, and, and Capo so they Capo. got Capo Caco, who is by most accounts going to be a pretty good player yes. in the NHL in terms so of like, goal scoring. Right now, they have um, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Caco, who you can reasonably say 
these are going to be first line caliber people quite soon and or already are right yeah um now the interesting thing is they have they have some good prospects or some prospects who are well reputed i don't know if any of them turn into stars but like i i like Filipino. i like mm-hmm. leas anderson if both of those guys can become top six players then they're really cooking with something um but then like chris Kreider is going to get a raise over his 4.6 mil after the season I don't know how they're going yeah, to. Yeah, and I don't him. know if the Rangers are going to be the team to give it to him. Yeah, so. I don't know if the, how they can afford him. They, they still do have a couple ugly contracts on the back end in Mark Stahl and Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk, I coveted him once upon a time. Both those guys have no that. move clauses, by the way. Ugh. Well, it's a modified no trade on Shattenkirk's case, but I mean, as we've said before with other players, the contract is the no trade. So. I don't know. Maybe if you retain 50%, a lot of things are possible. But they are squeezed. Uh, there's someone who I follow online. Uh, oh, and Brendan Smith. CJ Totoro? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. But CJ Totoro was saying, like, I'm actually less scared of the Rangers now than I used to be because they cashed in too early on the rebuild and they've kind of set their ceiling. His thinking was that by sacrificing all their flexibility so soon, they were rushing it and it's going to burn them. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with the logic of like when you get Panarin, you sign Panarin. But I do look at this team and I find myself thinking, there are some things here that I'm a little iffy on. Like, I don't know that a team that this that is this limited at center can be that good. Now, as we've said, Leas Anderson can get there. And, you know, I like Mika Zibanejad. He's a very good player. Zibanejad became, like, last but, year was... A bonafide top line center. Yeah, and you, you know, if you put him with Artemi Panarin, he's probably going to look like it again. Mm-hmm. Um, he may look very good, but I just find myself thinking it's like their second line center. Um, I remember not too long ago they were playing like David Dayarnay there. Like, there's just not a lot there, and maybe I just default to centers in my estimation too much. But you know, you look there. Not a lot of depth. The defense, as we've said, some ugly deals. They still there. need to make moves, by the way, because Pavel Buchnevich is, is still an RFA. Mm-hmm. And they have no money to give. Yeah, him. like literally zero cap space. Um, so it's like yeah. you look at who they can trade. I, unless they want to sell off pending UFAs like um, Nemesnikov, Strom, Baleski. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. This is the thing: is do they think that they're going to make the playoffs next year, and do they really want? to try for that when you see a lot of ufas after one year who are for good players you start thinking like i guess that's what they're intending to do because a lot of these guys are gonna have to go but well and th- i don't know that's the thing like um i think of those ufas the only one the, there's two of them who i think are actually like it's hard to replace them externally and that's or not hard but like somewhat difficult Kreider is the biggest one and then nemesikov i think is good mm-hmm um, he's certainly not at the same level as Kreider. The other ones, like maybe they think, okay, well, we can replace those guys with $1 million players in the future. And then yeah. they're going to go with the Stars and Scrubs the way the Leafs are. Um, and Kako, and like, I think Kako's going to be a big part of that. They, I think they really need Heedle he- to be good. They really need Heedle. Yeah, I think to- that's it. Like, they need the center prospects to work out. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I-, I get what Turturro is saying, but like, look, they committed really early. Like, this is their team now effectively mm-hmm. um but i don't know what else they w- they should have done like i guess maybe they could have tried to get truba on le- on 
a lower end deal, right? But mm-hmm. like that that saves a million, right? Which is not nothing, but that's not like drastically changing their situation. Yeah, like they basically committed to what they were doing. It, it is worth knowing they also during the season, so this is out of scope, but they did pick up Adam Fox, mm-hmm. who may be quite good. He's reputed to be good as an, a college player. Yeah, so it, we'll it's see. it's going to be quite interesting. They're starting from a very low base. That's the other thing. Like last year, they were not good. Mm-hmm. They were not good at all. Um, no, and so they've got a big jump to make if they're going to. They, they had a similar level defense as the Leafs, but a similar level, but a worst in the league offense. So imagine that, basically. Oh dear God! Yeah, it's <laughs> painful to think about the defense of the Leafs. Uh, anyway, but and the I, offense of yeah the Devils. <laughs> oh, it feels like that Simpsons thing. Like nuts and gum together at last, um, but. Yeah, so I, I think they're a bubble team uh, right now, and I will be interested to see how they mature. If Kako does really well, then I think maybe they're a playoff team. They're not at all insulated but, against injury. That's the other thing. Like they, as you said, no if Panarin goes down, it's like it's going to look like the Devils did last. If Zaban, you know what? I think they're actually less screwed if Panarin goes down than if Zabanajad goes down, because at least they can put Kreider yeah. on the top line, and then they just ride that mm-hmm. line. But if Zabanajad goes yeah. down, it's like okay, first line or Filipino. <laughs> I hope you're ready, kid. Have yeah, fun. and like, again, I I like Edel. They I um I went on a, a Rangers podcast during the Nylander thing, and they asked like, what mm-hmm. would you, like what what's, what would you have to have in order for you to even consider Nylander trade? And I said Edel has to be the centerpiece, hundred percent has to, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't put up ridiculous numbers yet, but he's he's 19 years old playing in the NHL with not great teammates, and he's surviving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there there's something there, but okay. he needs to become an elite second nine player. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. So we'll see how that works out. The Rangers are definitely going to be fun to watch in the mix in the Metro. And now we're going to move to the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators took all of our players. Um, That's basically the bottom line. They took our assistant coach, TJ Smith, who is now their head coach. They took Connor Brown and Nikita Zaitsev in a trade that we have discussed ad nauseum. They also signed Ron Hainsey and Tyler Ennis. Like they basically just asked DJ Smith who he wanted and who we could get, and they just gave him everything. They made a deal where they gave up Zach Smith for Artem Anisimov, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I think that was actually a good trade for them. I think Anisimov is probably an upgrade. Uh, they also did it because they saved real money. That's always in the background with Ottawa. Um, Tom Chabot is a lot... Ch- Chabot. I can't stop saying his name with Chabot. Um, and... Brady Kachuk are really exciting young players. All of that said, this is the worst roster in the NHL, and I don't even think that it's close. Who is on this team? They, Cat Friendly has nobody. Cat Friendly has them with ten forwards. Um, <laughs> so they'll, they'll promote two from their minor leagues, but like they have twenty million in cap space. Twenty yeah, million. Like they're they're like right now they're under the floor. Like they'll get over it. It's not going to be a, a problem. But it's like there are two players in the NHL, signed longer than two years, and they're Bobby Ryan and Nikita Zaitsev. That's bad. That's not great. And you say, well, they have a ton of flexibility to spend money on what? Eugene Melnick is rogue. <laughs> they have... Um, they have the Leafs whipping boys and Thomas Shabbat playing the role of Morgan Riley. <laughs> 
And Shabbat's really good. He's, no, he's phenomenal. He's, he's really, really player. good. He's an amazing player. Yeah. Um, um, and they have no one playing the role of Jake Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Browicki playing the role of guy who has to talk to Eugene Melnick on the Between Two Friends thing. Um, well, so, yeah, like, this is honestly the worst forward lineup I can imagine. It's so bad. Anisimov is like, okay, if you squint on your good days, he's like... How many players on this team How many players on this team would be in the top nine of the Leafs? Brady Kachuk, for sure. Yeah. That's it. Mm. <laughs> End of list. Maybe Pajot. Maybe Anisimov. Maybe, maybe but... Pajot instead of Kerfoot. Yeah, maybe. But even then, it's like Pajot is like a really good bottom six center. Yeah. They're going to need him to do more than that. They Like, they don't have legitimate high-end offensive players that aren't Brady Kachuk on the front end or Tom Shabbat on the back end. Anyway, all of that said... They have a ton of picks. If you could, Yeah, they have a ton of picks. If this team weren't being owned by Eugene Melnick, I would be sort of starting to feel good again as an Ottawa Yes, because they also have... Just because I'm like... yeah, They have some great prospects. Eric Brandstrom is considered one of the best defenseman prospects in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I think that... You know, you can see a path out of the depths here for sure. This year is going to be a tire fire. That's okay. But they're going to get another high pick out of it. Who who will leave the team in seven years? (laughs) Yeah, maybe you get Lafreniere. I don't know. But but the Eugene Melnick thing hangs over everything like a funeral shroud. And until that is gone, I am not convinced that this team is ever going to make the moves that it needs to make to be genuinely competitive in the near future. I agree. They need to get really lucky on a run of draft picks. So, anyway, they suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we probably don't need to spend more time on them, but I wonder if they're going to sell off even more. Like, you could probably you could probably trade Pajot for a, for a sure pick. You could. Yeah. Right? But then it's like, at some point you need... Well, I was going to say, at some point you need guys for your young players to play with, but haven't, they've already crossed that point. Yeah, they crossed that a while ago. <laughs> Where it's like... <laughs> Okay, yeah. we're clearly not insulating these young guys at all. So fuck it. Like, why not trade yeah. everything? Like, Chris Tierney. If I, anyone want a fifth for Chris Tierney? Like, might as well just start trying yeah. to own the draft. Yeah. I, I mean, you know what? They could probably, if they wanted to, they could easily come out of this with, like, probably another first in a couple of few seconds or something. That's pretty good. The talent drain um, out of Ottawa in the past few years has been absurd. Carlson, Stone, Unbelievable. Hoffman, Duchesne. They're, those are four elite yeah. players at their position. Cody CC. Um, <laughs> the best of yeah. them all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, King of the Castle. Yeah. Right now, I, I think that it is genuinely embarrassing for a non-expansion team to put that out as a serious roster for consecutive seasons. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, that's just me. That's really bad. It's really bad. It Like, this... That's like a Buffalo caliber roster, I think, of like the worst years. They might not be that bad, but they don't really even bad. they don't even have the incentive um, that Buffalo did. Because because the lottery odds are flattened, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. You know, Buffalo was guaranteed to get either Eichel or McDavid, whereas you know, fingers crossed, Ottawa's going to pick fourth overall again. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's where it's going for them. Maybe they'll win a lottery. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Philadelphia. Um, the Phil. The, yeah, Philadelphia. They signed Kevin Hayes to a long deal at seven point one million. I don't know why. 
I guess they really wanted a center, and they felt like they had to do something. They wanted he's a second line. Good. I don't. The, he's a good second yeah. line center. It's just why are you? That's a lot of money. Do you know what, do you know what I think they were doing? <laughs> I think they were doing that stupid thing that people always do, where they're like, "Well, we're only paying Couturier four point three million, so combined, we're paying our top two centers like twelve million, and that's fine." But it's like, yes, but you were paying <laughs> Couturier four point three million regardless of what you did. Is that you could say, yeah. "Yeah, I'm gonna punch myself in the balls," and because of that. You know, I'm still paying Couturier four point three million, so I still have a top line center for cheap. It's like okay, but you didn't need to punch yeah. your balls to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Couturier deal is trying to get the guy into the club. It's like it's okay, he's with me, so it's all right. It's like it's not cool, man. Your friend isn't cool, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> given he's is fine. These metaphors are going to get really fucking weird as we get to the end of this. But, he's uh, fine. It's just it's just a huge overpay. Yeah, and they also okay so. I got carried away with um, making some fun of the um, the Kevin Hayes thing, but they also made a fascinating and not really in a great way trade in June where they dealt Radko Gudas with retained salary, pause, to the Washington Capitals for Matt Niskanen. And so the Flyers ended up down like three and a half million on this transaction. And it's like Matt Niskanen three years ago was a top pair defenseman. Matt Niskanen today... I don't think he is that. Yeah. And so, I don't know about that. They want someone to play with Gostasbeer, I guess. And then, you know, they still have to sign Konechny and Provorov, by the way, uh, which is going to eat up most of that remaining cap space. I don't know. Like, the Flyers have all these good pieces, and I think that they're going to be better than they are a lot of years. They're one of those teams where it's like, well, they have Kachuri and Giroud. It's like the opposite of um, the Islanders. You look at the roster. Yeah, the roster looks better than the results. Yeah. Um, and to be and fair, they, to Hayes, they still have JVR. But. Yeah. To be fair to Hayes, he's like a legitimately good play driver, and his raw scoring numbers are not that impressive. But per minute over the past few years, he's like it's it's in line with being a, a strong second liner, right? So it's like yeah. he is very clearly like he's a second line center in terms of scoring, and probably above that when you factor in play driving. It's just yeah. I guess it might just you be know, sticker maybe shock. It's good. But it, 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 it's yeah. a long time to, to spend money on a player who, even if I'm being very, you know, very uh, nice to him, he's not an elite player, right? So it's like no. you're, you're capturing value in the first few years of that deal, not on the back end. And even in the first few years, it's like not amazing. Mm-hmm. But he will... It maybe just be like I've seen so many of these term deals for these kind of players recently go wrong even faster than i thought they would yeah which is not necessarily what's going to happen like he'll probably be a good enough player and he, he and like this is still a decent team but and like, he is a good he's a good defensive player and that's a nice player to have next to jvr yeah because jvr is brilliant you know. in the offensive zone but not so much elsewhere so i'm, yeah. I'm almost talking myself into this yeah, I, it's not. I guess it's not yeah. as awful a deal as I think people are memeing about. Because Hayes, okay, so he's never hit like fifty points, and that's because he always misses like five to ten games a year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's a particularly good power play scorer. But I mean, I don't yeah. imagine he's going to be a central part of their top unit power play, so that's not a huge concern. So I like kind of you know I, I'm starting to like the player. It's just. Who are they bidding it's against? too much. Who are they, yeah, it, it, yeah. I can't get over the feeling in my head. That's like, that's too much money for Kevin Hayes. Yeah. And, and you, you know, maybe it's, 
maybe it'll turn out fine. And you know what? They're a better team next year for having had him, no question. It's just like, I don't know. I don't like that money. I don't like that term. Philadelphia's in a bit of a weird thing where they have uh, some good young defensemen who haven't quite gotten the results that they're expected to. They seem kind of to flirt with trading Gostaspear a lot. That's interesting. And they're kind of entering the late prime to current decline of Giroux and Voracek. And it's like, they're still very good players, but it's like they have a bit of an incentive to make big moves now because they want to capitalize on those guys. And I think they've gotten a little unlucky that Nolan Patrick hasn't... Like, you'd probably... He seems like a fine player, but you probably expect a little more out of the second overall pick. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, in the surrounding years, you had some spectacular names go at second overall. And Patrick Line for all his flaws, is pretty good. Um, but, you know, uh, I I think that they're a decent team. Like, if you told me, you know, coming back from the future that they've made the playoffs next year, I would not be at all surprised. No, definitely Like, not. I think that they're a, a decent team in the Metro, so. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just, I'm not impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, they're that uh that Gudis trade was was weird. I didn't quite understand it. But by um I didn't I think yeah, sorry, go ahead. By by um their 5v5 stats, like they were an average team last year and they probably gotten a bit better. They had mm-hmm. decent power play in PK in terms of where they took their shots from and everything. I'm I as I mean goaltending so I Always a question, to say the least. <laughs> it's Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess it will continue to be a question, but... Forever. <laughs> Can you believe that they had Sergei Bobrovsky and they traded him away, and then he got really, really good? Yeah. That's the most Flyers thing ever. Yeah, I mean, they, they were basically 2% worse than league average in terms of power play. In terms of, sorry, in terms of goaltending at 5-on-5. Five five. That hurts. Like that's yeah, They're not well, going to survive that. I don't know. You're never going to survive that. No team that. can. Yeah, they should be fine. Like, if they get decent goaltending. But, but yeah, we've, I've said this about the Flyers, like, for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway. Um, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting well, the, to watch, but it, we should... It, it, yeah. Carter Hart seems like, like he's about as talented a player as a goaltender prospect as exists. Right? But, I don't know, who was promising master. He's a goalie no. prospect, so he may turn into goo, or he may just, yeah. you know... Fly into the sun. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, they'll be worth watching. Philadelphia could surprise people. I think that they're a great pick to potentially surprise. They're also a great pick to potentially not do anything. So, mm-hmm. uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in the twilight of their gods. Uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are still amazing. They made the Phil Kessel trade that we already kind of talked about. Uh, I'll, I'll clarify. With, they with were Malkin, clearly, Malkin's... Yeah. Still putting mm-hmm. up ridiculous points. I think he had a brutal defensive year, though. Yeah, well, he's never been a great defensive player. No. And he also got slaughtered in terms of a lot of situations, um, in terms of empty net goals against and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm thinking of his plus minus, which I know is not what you're talking about. Yes. But, um, yeah, anyway, so they've still got, you know, those core players. They should be trying to contend as long as they have them. They still have Chris Letang, who is a great player for the... 45 games a year that he plays. Um, Hornquist, still pretty good, Gwensel. But they were just tired of Phil Kessel. And they said, no, we're not doing this anymore. Galchenyuk is a fine enough return. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> they're not getting any better defensively with him. No. Which is a rare thing when you not. trade Phil Kessel. 
That's true. Uh, like, you know, like, I don't mind him. I think that, like, he adds something to their third line and they cleared a bit of salary. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I, I don't hate it from their end, even though I think that, like, they are giving up something on offense and they kind of made it for personnel reasons. Like, I think it's fair to say Phil Kessel is not the easiest guy to deal with if you're a coach. Like, that seems borne out. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you need to trade him, but whatever. They signed Brandon Tanev to what is probably the most inexplicable deal of the offseason. Um... I, like, I don't even know what the hell they were thinking on this one. <laughs> Brandon Tennant, like, it doesn't have, like, the high dollar value that really makes it into, like, a legendary meme. But he's a bottom six forward. And they gave him six years at $3.5 million. I would not give him $3.5 million for one year, but I definitely wouldn't do it for six years. It's a bad contract. It's a really bad contract. And... Jim Rutherford, after he made the, you know, the legendary Phil Kessel trade that helped uh, Pittsburgh get to two cups, he's kind of uh, quietly or maybe even loudly been doing a pretty bad job running the Penguins. Like, if you just look at some of his work, you're like, this is kind of ghastly. Um, you know, the Jack Johnson contract is just disgusting. It seems like know. he's just throwing stuff at... Th- the thing is, that they've been dealing out from futures for so long that they, they, they don't have... They don't have a lot coming through, and I mean, to be to their credit, Gensel was an absolutely enormous get through their farm system, right? So, mm-hmm. third round pick. Yeah, like and he Gensel was legit great. I I know there's a tendency to say that like every person who plays with Crosby is like actually not that great, and it's just Crosby elevating them. Um, and certainly Gensel looks better with Crosby than he would with almost anyone else. But Gensel mm-hmm. was legit, also very good. It's just there's such these. This is the most top heavy team. <laughs> Like they, they have like five guys who I think are really good, and then everyone else is overpaid or bad or both. Yeah, it, it's great, and you know they've been trying to, to you know cobble together depth. Like they always want to get back to the uh, the classic days where you know they had uh, Carl Hagelin or whoever, and they had like that dynamite third line because that's what they associate the good old days with. And you know they won two cups; those are great good old days. But like. So, yeah, some of those deals were like, you know, Nick Bukestad is okay. I don't, like, Brian Rust, we're giving him 3.5, really? Okay. Like, a lot of these guys, it's almost like they're doing the Stars and Scrubs models, except they thought that the Scrubs aren't supposed to make, like, $3 million. Yeah. And so, just a lot of dubious peripheral decisions, and it's not going to be enough that they're bad. They won't be bad probably as long as Sidney Crosby draws breath, but, like... I like I, I certainly don't think that I put them in like the top tier contending window. They have to hit a lot of green lights on the way to work before things work out for them again. Yeah, worth noting. So um, Dominic Simone, one of those mm-hmm. random players who has ridiculous Corsi impacts. Like really, absolute. His his. I did not know that. His isolated threat <laughs> um, has him as a twenty percent better play driver than average. That's bananas. Yeah. Over what kind of sample? That's crazy. Uh, that's the thing. It's a small um, sample, but basically a full season last mm. year. Playing third line minutes. With a, but really, I would I would be so curious as to who he's with. A variety. But, that's um, the thing. The variety of line mates. So he spent he spent a bit of time. Yeah. He spent some time with Crosby and Gensel, um, and seems like not a great match. There. So, so yeah, spent some time with them. Spent some time with Bugstad and Hornquist. Um, I don't know if he has like the high-end skill to really play with Crosby and Gensel. 
I, although it, it is interesting to me, Crosby had maybe one of the best defensive seasons of his career last year. I wonder if Simone influenced that at all. Um, but they weren't like mm. tethered together by any means. So I'm guessing the numbers that painted Crosby is immense defensively are not getting tricked by him playing with a good teammate. And I, I tend to credit Crosby over Dominic Simone in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, he's, he's an interesting player. I've kind of shocked that I, I was looking up numbers a while back and like late in the regular season. I'm like, what, who the hell is this dude? Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if they know what they have. I wonder if the stats are actually valid on him. I'll be curious to see how he how it shakes out this year. I have no idea how he who he's going to play with going forward. Um, but yeah, it seems like no if, good if, for them if, finding a diamond in the rough. Yeah, yeah. If they found something, then I mean that's that's something special. And he was not that sheltered either. This is so fascinating to me because I devoted like zero percent of my brain to thinking about Dominic Simone. You know. Yeah. I don't blame um, you. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's, he's worth uh, spending some time on. Um, okay, so the San Jose Sharks. Uh, the biggest thing the San Jose Sharks did probably was getting a gigantic extension with Eric Carlson. Which, you know, Eric Carlson has been at times at least the best defenseman in the world, I think. He's certainly the best offensive defenseman. His health has been a bit dubious. And the Sharks had better hope that they're getting His ankles are as much held together by cello tape and unicorn hair. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Which is a shame because he's The Sharks had better hope that holds. Yeah, because he's a brilliant player. Absolutely stunning player. So good. Yeah. Um and they've got him for eight years at eleven point five now. He's twenty nine. So, yeah. Um the, the the Sharks The Sharks you know what we've Yeah. Sorry, the Sharks are have for a while been in the Fuck it, all our guys are old. We're just going for it. Right? Yeah, just, you know, who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, I was surprised that they let uh, Joe Pavelski go. I guess they don't really have room um, for him, right? Like, They don't. They don't have, like, a, an easy space to uh, to clear salary. Right, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, or anything like that. They don't right? have a lot of people in what Katja calls the waste zone that we discussed last time. Like, the 1.5 to 2.5 mil. Right, they mm-hmm. don't have that many players there. It's like they have. So they their forwards, Couture, Kane, Meyer, Hurdle, all make five point six uh, million. The next most expensive guy is Melker Carlson at two million. Yeah, there's a huge gap there. It's true, and you know, uh, Pavelski went for like seven uh, a year, so it would have taken some doing. Um, but he's a big loss for them. Yeah, and they're probably like, going to resign. He takes them out. Joe Thornton as well. Right. Yeah, that's true. And Joe Thornton is, bless his heart, still somehow quite productive as a playmaking center, even at his age. Um, I'm going to be sad. I think Joe Thornton is going to end up retiring without a cup. You never know. Yeah. But, like, that kind of breaks my heart because he's, like, the best playmakers of the modern, like, the, the recent generation, like, since the 2005 lockout is, like, Crosby, McDavid, Thornton. And I think you can argue that in pure playmaking, Thornton is better than McDavid. McDavid is mostly speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's anyway, one of the best passers of all time. Joe Thornton a bit there. Mm-hmm. Unequivocally. Anyway, but they also they locked up Timo Meyer to a preposterous deal, uh, four years at six million. Somebody should have friggin' offered you to Timo. Meyer. It does have an interesting structure, though. Uh, 
It does. Because That's true. the last year's salary um, is $10 million, yeah. And um, Meyer will mm-hmm. be an RFA for one more year after this expires. So his qualifying offer will be $10 million. So yes. essentially, um, he will either be a UFA or he will have a guaranteed way to get, to get $10 million, which would essentially make the contract mm-hmm. five years $34 million. So just shy of seven million, which is a bit, and then walk him right to UFA. The only way this doesn't work out for him is if he has a bad injury in 2022, 2023, that decreases his UFA market. Mm -hmm. You know what? Like, so you know, he's still eating some risk there, but it's better than it looks. I know, and it's actually, you know what? It's actually quite clever on both parties. And Doug Wilson, yeah, I do approve. I'm surprised we haven't really seen it before. Yeah, Doug Wilson is a smart GM. Like he. The fact that he's done this, it makes sense. It, it's a huge steal from uh, from San Jose's perspective because Timo Meyer's worth far more than six million right now, mm-hmm. and he will be over the next four years. Um, the the trade off for San Jose is it becomes a bit harder to retain him after that, right? You either have to pay him yeah. ten million, then he's a UFA, he could walk wherever, or you have to sign him to a long term deal. But in order to entice him to sign him to a long term deal, um, in 2023, 2024, you have to make him think, okay, this is better than the than me just taking my qualifying offer, risking a potential injury, but taking the qualifying offer and then becoming a, a UFA and I'd get a huge a huge contract. And at that point, he's going to be the unquestioned star of this team because everyone else is old. Here's the thing. As it stands, in 2024-25, the San Jose Sharks are going to be paying about $41 million to Couture, Kane, Carlson, Burns, Vlasic. And those guys are going to be 36, 33, 35, 40, 38. Like, we've, I, I think a lot of us have predicted that the San Jose Sharks window might be closing at a given time over and over again. And they've done a really impressive job of holding it open. Aided by but, some players who have aged just incredibly well. Like, Pavelski is one such player. I almost wonder if, like, are they doing something? Can we get the San Jose medical staff yeah. or like something's going on? Because they like they have player after player who have aged extremely well. All the same, when the end comes on this team, it's going to come hard. And they are routinely dealing out draft picks. Like they don't have their first next year. They don't have their third, fourth, or sixth. Um, they've got, you know, some, some lighter picks. But it's like they always have been win now and not quite winning now. For years, for ten years, and I respect since, the since the Thornton trade, basically. Yeah, they they were arguably the best team to never win a cup. Yep, um, in the last ten years or so, ten or fifteen years or so. And they've made mistakes, um, but they're on the whole spectacularly well managed. Yeah, D- Doug Wilson has earned his tenure. He's been there forever, um, and he, he's a very very capable player. Yeah, uh, so general manager, he was a very good player in his playing years too. Yeah, and but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just saying, it's like, I get everything that they're doing right now. I think that they're very good. I think that they're going to take a step back with Joe Pavelski, and I think that that might be the beginning beginning of the end for them. Yes. So, you know, I, I was just going to emphasize, it must be said, they are legitimately very good, even now, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're talking about their future and like, oh, it's going to be troublesome in a few years. They are still a contender now. They might be the second best team yeah. in the league. I'm, I'm high on them. I mean, they can trot out. As old as Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic are, like I mean, 
and as like they're they're old makes them sound decrepit but they're 29 34 and 32 they're you know certainly not spring chickens anymore that combination still allows you to put out pairings that will dominate pretty regularly like carlson still had ridiculous Mm -hmm. on ice impacts this year yeah i mean he's still a fantastic player you know i think there is a good point there is that like when you stare at a player long enough you start seeing their flaws you start seeing their warts, but it's like, you take a step back and it's like, they're still going to be playing Eric Carlson a lot, <laughs> you know? Like, that's a good thing to have. Um, it's a very good thing to have. So, you know, good on them. Yeah, and um, so Burns is one of those guys who doesn't look good by advanced metrics, like the his like RAPM and things like that. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Sam... Who shoots too much. Yes, yeah, because I'm guessing he probably looks better in Corsi than he does by expected goals. Um, mm-hmm. But the Sharks were the best Corsi team in the league last year, 55%, right? Um, Even now, eh? Yeah. Wow. And expected I goals, I good, think they but... were still quite, fifty. yeah, 54.7% in expected goals. They're a really good team, Meyer and Hurdle, and a lot of their depth players are also good play drivers. Now, they'll lose some mm-hmm. of that with Pavelski, but they're still a great team. They really are. Yeah. And you, you know what? Good on them. I would like to see the Sharks win a cup, honestly. Yeah. If it can't be the Leafs. Anyway, uh, the St. Louis Blues did not do very much, and nor did they really have to. Yeah, they just won the cup. Because, yeah, why would you bother? Um, they extended Jordan Biddington, who was their uh, their dynamite goalie. Yeah, good good um, deal they, for both parties, I guess, right? Two-year kind of prove-it deal. Yeah, I think that could be fine for them. Um they let Patrick Maroon walk, it appears. Maroon's still unrestricted, so he could come back. I'm not shocked that there's not a huge market for a guy who had 28 points last year. But, uh, you know, anyway, everyone gets a little bit of uh, glittering dust sprinkled on them when you win a cup, so. Yeah. This is just a good, solid, strong team. Yeah. Like, just a lot of good players. I don't think that they are meaningfully a lot better than a lot of those teams in that tier that we talked about like the nashville san jose even toronto tier. for what it's worth they had a, they had a lower corsi percentage than us last year and a lower five on five goal dif- uh, differential than the leafs did last year better in expected goals so, but um yeah like you know people people talk about the leafs a lot like oh wow they're how are they gonna win now they're not that good they didn't get better from last year they were a good team last year they, they really were yeah Right. Um, St. Louis could, was the team that could not get it done year in, year out until they weren't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, so good on St. Louis and uh, enjoy your victory champagne. Yep. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep, go ahead. Uh, the Lightning are uh, <laughs> uh, fun. The best team in the NHL. Yeah, basically. Even though they had an absolutely shattering first round, round That's loss. That's got to be one of the I most feel for them because... depressing losses oh. in a long time. I can't remember a team that was that good being swept in the first round ever. I, like, I can't think of it, really. Um, I, I'm trying to think if it ever happened to San Jose, because it feels like something that would happen to them. Mm. But I, I knew that they blew a 3 nothing lead once. Yeah. But, um, there, probably is, there, is, anyway. there really isn't that much to say about Tampa. I mean, they, they traded JT Miller to clear cap space. Mm-hmm. They still need to clear more cap space in order to sign Braden Point and then also Adam Ernie. Um, he might go to arbitration. I don't know. 
they're, they're really good. They have a lot of excellent players. Yeah. They have almost no one in that $1.5 billion range. They have people making above four and a half mil, and then they have people making less than 1.6 mil. Yeah, they, they're an extraordinarily well-run team. I think that they are still the best team in the league. Uh, I think they got punched in the mouth in the playoffs. And, you know, they got to be ready for it next time. Yeah. But I expect them to win the President's Trophy again. Yeah, and, and, and also, they're going to sign Braden Point for some deal that I fucking hate. They're not going, they're not <laughs> going to repeat last year. Like, I think they're... And, you know, we've talked to Alan about this um, a little bit. But, like, there was certainly some luck in it last year. They had just absurdly dominant power plays. Some incredible shooting years that probably won't repeat. But... Mm-hmm they're still legitimately very good. And like, you can poke holes in their Corsi. It's not amazing. Again, worse Corsi than the Leafs. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they... Can I get a banner? Worse Corsi than the Leafs. Yeah. Bring that to games. But they have yeah. elite shooters and a elite goaltender. Well, on, on the Leafs, the Leafs Corsi was, like, fine last year. Their expected goals were, were lower, but a lot of that, I think, has to do with uh, block shots. The Leafs, the Leafs Fenwick is quite a bit lower than their, their Corsi. Um, yeah. So... I'm guessing that has a lot to do with with block shots, and if expected goals included block shots, which they they should, it's just a data issue. The reason that they don't, um, the Leafs would look much better. Yeah. So, you know, let's hope that that's what it is. Anyways, this but is yeah, how we turned. The Bolts. We're, we're living into every Allen joke about Leafs podcast because we we just we talked about the Lightning for twenty <laughs> seconds, then we just compared them to the Leafs. Yeah, but how does this affect Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I, I think the Bolts are mostly going to hang tight, and that's what they should do. Uh, if anyone were due to be offer-shooted in a purely, like, rational market perspective, it was probably Braden Point, because you could sign Braden Point for a lot of money, and he would be worth it, and it would also be a real strain on Tampa to match it. No one's going to do that, it appears, and he doesn't want to... To leave, yeah. ...sign anywhere else. Yeah, so uh, he'll end up taking a big discount, but... Good for him. Did you know Nikita Kucherov uh, didn't have a doesn't have a no move clause? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I'm just looking at it on Cap Friendly right now. Oh my lord! Like every contract that Tampa Bay has is just friggin' preposterous in terms of like team benefit. Like maybe the Yanni Gourd one or something is not so great, but like so many of them, you're like, how? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I guess they just love in the sunshine. They they but... are gonna need to trade someone to fit point right so like Kaloran, i guess Probably. is the natural fit although Kaloran, one of those guys who's like people think is not worth his contract but quietly has ridiculously good play driving numbers and is also i think quite useful he's not even on bad. special yeah he's not uh. he's not a bad player by any means um uh, just mad like now. san jose they don't have <laughs> easy things to trade out of Kaloran has a no trade clause by the way yeah i mean <laughs> you know what uh let me have a look at this so I wonder. Yeah, you know what? The thing is, Kucherov is still in an RFA year. He has a new mo- no move. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, um, that would have been hilarious. However, if for some insane reason they want to trade him, they still have until July first. So, you know. Anyway, but uh, they'll, they'll figure yeah, it out. We'll, we'll have Alan on at some point before the season starts to talk Leafs, Lightning, and the rest of the Atlantic Division. Yeah. We can compare playoff disappointments. Um, okay, so Vancouver. Traded uh, for JT Miller. They, yeah, they made a move for JT Miller. It was kind of expensive, but he's also a good player. Um, 
was it protected first? Like they have some insurance in case it all goes to crap. But they they have insurance um, for one year. I think it becomes an unprotected first after this year. Yeah. So the I mean, so, the Canucks expect that they're going to take a leap now. Yes, and I mean, when you sign Tyler Myers to six year, five years, six million dollars, why wouldn't you expect that? <laughs> you know what? I think that. Um, I really think that they were leaking numbers that were more than that to try and make the eventual deal seem more reasonable. Like there were rumors he was going to get like seven by seven or something like that. It's still not a very good contract. Tyler Myers is tall. That's terrific. He's an okay-ish uh, lower end defenseman, but like, I don't know. Like th- their defense is still bad. Um, this is like, th- this is not a good team yet. Elias Patterson is the light and the truth. They should be really excited. I would be really worried that Jim Benning is going to scorch this rebuild. Yeah. Like, that he's going to rush it and botch it, and he's going to have it turn out not so well. They don't have much cap. They have no cap space when you factor in that they need to sign Brock Besser. Brock Besser. Yeah. Um, and so... They have a lot of guys. Like, they have a lot of guys in that mid-tier range. And... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. They, have, they, have... Uh, they got Furland, and Furland's a good player. Yes. Like, um, you know, they have Pierce. They have a lot of guys now who are like kind of middle of the road guys. I mean, those I don't the know. Rousseau and Beagle. Well, th- this is the <laughs> argument against those the, the Rousseau and Beagle trades or signings. It's like you'd like to have some of their cap space now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Who could have foreseen that having those guys make six million over the next four years was a mistake? Yeah. It's like it's better. Oh right, everyone. It's... <laughs> even even if they think they're better than oh we're better than we expected because Pedersen is that good, well mm-hmm. okay cool, you have these people tying up your bottom six now, and they have like legitimate signs of life like Quinn Hughes I I, I love so fun to watch. Oh yeah, he's he's probably going to be good, and if he is, that goes a huge way because their their defense group is going to be stabilized. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing with Tyler Myers. So yeah, um, stay tuned for that. It's just. I don't. They're not a playoff team. I, I. I mean, maybe they get super lucky and they become a playoff team, but they weren't particularly close last year. They don't really have any elite play drivers yet. Bo Horvat's probably the closest thing they have to one. I think. Yeah, they're. They could be in like a kind of a, a rough position here in terms of like. Finishing maybe twentieth in the NHL next. I year. don't expect their like pick th- to convey. For the JT Miller trade. Yeah, you think that, that it's going to end up uh, being holdover, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, maybe. They're yeah, in a weak division, I, I don't know. I d- That's true. You know, anything could happen. And look, if Thatcher Demko, who is, you know, very well thought of as a goaltending prospect, comes in and, like, takes the world by storm, then, you know, it's a whole different ball game. But I honestly think that, aside from hitting very big on the Pedersen pick, and Quinn Hughes was kind of just going, you know, by the board. Uh, he's a good pick. But, like, I think Jim Benning could really, really do damage to this team. He already like, has. He's made some good draft picks. He already has. Yeah well, yeah, well, but, like, I think he could do it in a way that would actually prevent this rebuild from being a real success. I think he already has. For a while. <laughs> yeah, maybe Myers so. has a no move clause. But, He's like, on that team. He's twenty nine. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Luke, and you know, Erickson is still yeah, there. Yeah, for three more years. Like they they don't have 
I don't know. They're one of those teams that I think, like, because I'm a terrible person, I, I read a lot of Canucks forums. <laughs> and this is not to single out Canucks fans because every team's fans are pretty much equally delusional. But, like, they're, they remind me of the Leafs fan base, uh, you know, in the 2010 to 2012, 20 to 2013 era, where it's like, you look at your team and, like, yeah, you know, so and so, that respectable second liner, you know, how, that's a fair deal. You know, we can, we can pay. Tanner Pearson, we can pay Sven Bershi three point four million. That's fine, and it it is yeah. like it, those aren't awful deals. But like you're not really capturing uh, capturing much value, mm-hmm. right? Like you're you're arguably not capturing any value, and it's just, it's like you have a lot of players who are pretty meh that you can convince yourself that yeah, I mean, how can you do better than Mike Santarelli on your second line? Oh God, right. Uh, which is a question I on ironic. Was an ex Canuck actually? <laughs> yeah, no, because like I, I, when we had that Kadri Santorelli Winnick line, I'm like, this is that could be a, a second line on a playoff team. <laughs> and then I think back, I'm like, are you insane? Why did you think that? <laughs> it's because your mind gets warped when you see bad players a lot. Like players who are decent mm-hmm. look so much better, right? And then, then you watch like an actually good team, and you're like, oh wow, okay, I guess I guess they couldn't. Yeah. I I agree there. I, I will say, and you know what? Because we're so deep into this podcast now, I'll just own up and say it. Uh, the Canucks forums that I read are worse than other fan bases <laughs> in terms of, like, paranoia. I know this sounds like I, I'm just slandering them, and I guess I am, so who cares? But it's like, there is a real feeling that the league is out to get them and that the Toronto media is never going to give them enough credit. Uh, the second thing is probably true, but... I was kind of astonished at just some of the stuff that I saw, even by the standards of the hockey internet, which is a bad place. Like, when the Nylander holdout was going on, a lot of them were saying, like, oh, Jake Vertanen for Nylander. What? Are you high? Like, you know, you see stuff there, and it's just a bit like, I don't know how you are valuing these players in the manner that you are. I think your theory about it is right, is you've seen too many bad players for too long, but, like... Uh, Elias Pettersson is going to be very possibly like a top five player in the world at some point in his life. And if the Canucks are not in a position to take advantage of that when it happens, I think you're going to be able to point a finger directly at Jim Benning. Maybe it'll still be fine. They might be too talented to be denied. But I did say that about Edmonton. So stay tuned. I think the analog (laughs) is going to be um, the Islanders with Tavares. Mm. Oof. Could be. Could be. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very possible that they will set their own ceiling with a lot of bad, premature, mid-level signings. And you know what? There's a, a professional impatience that comes from Jim Benning has not made the playoffs yet, and he knows that he needs to do it at some Didn't point. Didn't he make it in his very fired. first year? Uh, you know what? He might have. He hasn't made it recently. Yeah. I can't remember if he was in before it went to shit, mm-hmm. but... But, like, there's a point where it's like, okay, you can't keep missing forever. But then it's like, that's on the owners for allowing a moral hazard situation. Mm-hmm. If you think a guy is going to manage for his job in the event of a rebuild and he's going to sell off or sign too early, then you got to fire him. Anyway, that's enough laughing at the Canucks. They've still got a great, great core of, like, a few key star players. I would not trust that management group to build a doghouse. So, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the Vegas, 
Yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights, in terms like they're setting some sort of record for fastest from join the league to capped out. <laughs> I know there's only been one expansion team under the salary cap, but like, wow, that went quick. Um, I don't know. They're a really good team. Yeah. They have a lot of good in their prime players. Uh, some stats people. Mark Stone. Yeah, some stats people on Twitter were saying yeah. like, how many people can you be like very confident are better than Mark Stone at hockey? And the consensus answer was like, only Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but like, I think you can make an argument for best winger in the league. Yeah, like, I mean, Mark Stone like, is ridiculous. He's so good. Um, yeah. They ha- yeah. It, it, also, if they can sign Nikita Gusev, I mean, with what money? But yeah, <laughs> if if they can't, Cap Franny only lists them as having five defensemen on their roster. And I'm looking through their... Yeah, I'm no scientist, but I think you need more than that. I'm looking through their non-roster like defense, which often has like prospects and like minor league players who are expected to jump up, and there's no one whose name jumps out at me. Yeah, so I, that's true. I remember Nick Roy was supposed to be something at one point, but I don't think he's, he's banned out. You mean Nick Haig? No, uh, Nicholas Roy. Nick, Nick Haig will still be something. I believe in him. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit dicey, that's yeah. for sure. They, they're paying... A ton of guys, um, four point seven million or up, and they're mostly good players. Yeah. Like I don't look at a lot of their deals and I'm like quailing in terror. Uh, it's just like, okay, this is it. You're locked in. Most of these guys are in the UFA age bracket, even if they didn't go UFA. So you're gonna try and contend with this core, and that's fine. They're really good. Yeah, and they, um, I mean they almost made the conference finals again, didn't they? Uh, well, I mean, they had that insane oh, that finish seven. against the San Jose Sharks. Was that the first round or second round? Um, I think that was the first, first round. round. Okay. But I could be mistaken about oh, that. Oh, yeah, and then they would have faced Colorado. <laughs> but I think they would have beaten Colorado. I think they would have beaten Colorado. I look, I think if, you know, they had as good a chance as anybody, really. Yeah. Um, I, I like that group a lot. It's just they've locked in now. Well, and they already had to make uh, I, cap, two cap dump trades. They traded Eric Holla for a pick, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they traded Colin Miller for picks. And yep. the two of them combined saved about $6 million in cap space. And that's still not really enough. No, they, like, they are absolutely frozen now. Um, yeah, they, so they do have to hope for sure um, that this team is going to be the one that gets it done. And they, yeah, if they could probably get rid of Cody Eakin and Ryan Reeves. They might have to give up a pick to do so, though. Yeah, uh... I think Ryan Reeves is gone, isn't he? He's still listed on Cap Friendly. Oh, well, then he's not gone. Maybe um, maybe there's a trade that's been yeah, rumored, so. but not hasn't been consummated. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. He is still there. I was uh, I was confused. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I, I like their position fine. It's just I don't think that they have any flexibility left. And for a long time, the byword with the Knights was how flexible they could be. But they've dealt out. They've gone all in now. They've You know, they've given up good prospects like Eric Brandstrom. Uh, so here we are. I guess we're going to see what they can do, but I don't mind their position at all for the next couple of yep, years. I agree. Um, the Washington Capitals. Uh, you know what? It's okay now because the Washington Capitals had a cup, but it's like, I, I don't think they're that great anymore. Well, the last, you know what I mean? Like they're still good. The last two years they've had like but, pretty awful shot numbers and mm-hmm. it kind of just hasn't mattered. They've outscored it. And part of that is you have Braden Holtby, who is a great goaltender, and you have elite shooters. 
not not just Ovechkin, but mm-hmm. you have like elite talent, right? Backstrom and Kuznetsov as well. Um, TJ Oshie yeah. is very good, and of course, in part because of Ovechkin, they have a ridiculously strong power play. And I think they're just going to kind of mm-hmm. ride this until Ovechkin and Backstrom are not good enough to carry them. Yeah, Backstrom's coming up UFA next yeah, year, and I think I think they'll. I'd be really stunned if they didn't resign him, no matter the cost. Yes, I, I think it's a. You, know? you are but the. Just he's the second it. best capital ever, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, who is it? Like Joe Juno, Peter Bondra, so maybe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bondra's really good, but yeah, it's like you know, you kind of gotta commit to this, and because you know they have this this group. It would be actually kind of interesting in a ruthless way if they just transitioned away from the Backstrom Ovi core and let them go or traded them even and then tried to work on a new team around like Kuznetsov. They're not going to do that because those players are too rare and too good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's fine. Um, I don't think I take them that seriously as like a top contender. But again, it's another one of those things where if everything lines up, this team certainly has the talent to go anywhere. Yeah, um, and again, having Holtby means you can win any playoff series. Having Ovechkin and that power play, like that power play can, if it scores six goals in a series, okay, yeah, they probably win. Yeah, and they can do that at any time. So you know what? They're in with a chance against anybody, and there are much worse things to be. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I think they've declined. Also, uh, we've talked about it from the other end, but I did think the Niskan and Fergudas trade was a nice piece of business on their part. God, I'm not going to enjoy facing this team, though. Between Wilson and Gudis, like, you're just hoping to get out of there with, a, with yeah. everyone's brains intact. Yeah, seriously. Like, this is going to be, like, a dirty friggin' team. And, you know, I, I normally don't like saying that because, like, you sound kind of paranoid and conspiratorial, but, like, that team is going <laughs> to do a lot of damage. But anyway, um, that brings us up to the team that we said we wouldn't bother with, the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Jets are in a dicey situation, I feel like. I thought the Winnipeg Jets were going to be like, at least for a couple years, near the top of the league. And they're not quite as good as they should be. And now they've got to pay a couple guys. And they've already had to deal out Jacob Truba, who is a huge loss for them. It's not unexpected. He wanted to leave for a long time. But now they're in a situation here where it's like, again, the flexibility is not there. They're not a desirable UFA market, so it's hard if they, even if they have cap space. Um, Bufflin is getting up there in age. Blake Wheeler is still outstanding, but for how long? You know, I don't know. Again, I'm grading this relative to expectations, yeah, to be clear, I because mean, I really thought that... Their shot numbers last year were also, like, kind of trash, and it, it, was, un- it was unclear why, because the previous year, they were, like, mm-hmm. good. And for the longest time, it was, like, yeah. every stats person's like, oh, yeah, the Jets are going to finally be good this year. They have elite talent. They have good shot numbers. They just need goaltending. They finally got goaltending. But mm-hmm. Cap Friendly has them running, like, a shell of a roster right now. Yeah, they're like they're very limited. Now they have the cap space to sign Line and Connor yes. for sure, and you know Andrew Cobb or whatever. But it's like I don't know. There's just a bit of a feeling of is that all there is now for a team that was supposed to be you know kind of the coming rulers of the world. Patrick Line had a bit of a down year, and 
you know, as great as Mark Shifley is, and he's fantastic, as great as Nick Ehlers is, and he's fantastic, they're now maturing to a level where it's like, okay, this is our group. You know, we've talked about a lot of teams reaching that stage of like, we're committing dollars in term to a core group of players. And a couple years ago, I thought the core group of players that Winnipeg would be committing to was a bit of an awkward fit because several of them are older, like uh, Wheeler and Bufflin, but was a very, very good core group. And that core group did not really deliver last year. And now I'm a bit wondering where it's going to go. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd have to look this up. I, I don't know if like they're if they're bad Corsi numbers, for example, or in bad shot drive, shot uh, play driving numbers last year. Was the decline coming from their stars? Or was it coming from lower in the lineup? I I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I know Brian Little has been kind of increasingly struggling at second line. Sense. Yeah, and then I mean Line A is immensely talented, but he he's a guy who outshoots his problems, right? Yeah, Patrick Line is like he's starting to look like a cross between Ovechkin and Phil Kessel almost <laughs> in terms of like, he has the most impressive shot you've ever seen. And his defense is so bad. Mm. And again, you're like, well, he's a winger and he's 21. He could still get better. But like, we saw what happens this past year when he's not as productive as he would like to be. And then you start thinking that, yes, he's a 30 goal scorer and that's terrific. But for a guy who was supposed to be, like, destroyer of worlds when he came into the league, you know, you really want Liney to be contending for a Rocket Richard if you're going to pay him like a superstar. Because he's not giving you that value anywhere else. It's goal scoring. It's the greatest talent. He has it. But it has to be coming in at a very high level for him to be worth a very high amount of money. And there are rumors that the current contract negotiation is not going especially well. I don't know if we're going to see another offer sheet. You know, a lot of the cap space is dried up. But I do think that if a team decided to offer sheet Patrick Line, they might have a decent chance of getting him to sign. I mean, it, and Winnipeg would have a chance. If Montreal is still looking to use their money. Yeah, I don't think they're any longer in a position to issue an offer sheet that they can They'd have to reasonably expect we get the player. They'd have to move out. They'd money. have to move out some. Or they'd have to use the ten percent. Yeah, well, they'd have to use the ten percent thing like, for now. But then they have, they have so many guys, as we said, so many guys making like a million that they can just demote. Yeah, so some of that is variable for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like the thing is, is what gets Patrick Liney out of Winnipeg? Is there any amount that gets? Yeah, it? I don't like, know. At what point does um, does Winnipeg have to think about it? And that's kind of clouded by the fact that Winnipeg is not at all a popular ufa destination this sounds like i'm kind of ragging on them and i guess i am but unfortunately it's just a fact of life is that most people do not want to play in winnipeg um kevin hayes for example that you know they traded for him at the deadline and he did not seem at all interested in staying i mean i don't know if winnipeg would have offered him the same contract philly did but like they have a real series of limitations in terms of how to improve this team and They've done some very impressive things. You know, I think Kevin Cheveldayoff has been very patient, and so has ownership. But, like, I don't know. I really thought that this team was going to be, like, in that very top tier for a while. And right now they aren't. So the question is, how do they get back? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how, they're, how they plan on doing it. I'm looking at, like, their spider charts on HockeyViz right now, and... 
Yeah, it, it, it seems like the lines with Little really, really struggled. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ehlers and Perot and um, Shifley and others were, were, high, were, were performing fine in terms of shot share and things like that. But mm-hmm. it was an issue for, for Ehlers, or sorry, for, um, for Line A, Little, and Connor. Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's a problem. And, you know, that they, getting Kevin Hayes was supposed to kind of plug the hole at second line center, and now he's gone. Are they in a position where they're going to be dealing out assets again and again to try and fix that hole? And for what it's worth, Hayes did help fix that hole, but. He did, he was good at that, you know. Um, We ragged on the contract a bit, but look, he can do the job. He's a good player. Uh, But, like, yeah, you hear rumors, though, like they're going to trade Nick Ehlers or something like that. That would be a mistake. Oh, that would be an enormous mistake. That, yeah, he's a very good player on a very good contract. Um, it, it's weird. So, so I don't know. Winnipeg was like <laughs> doing fine in terms of shot numbers till like the middle of the year. And then they just like died. I don't know what happened. The air went out of the balloon. You wonder. I don't know. When something like this happens, it's so hard to find some sort of legitimate explanation. I mean, they've had the same coach for a long time, Paul Maurice. Yeah. Um, they should have a pretty clear structure there. It's not like they're adding new players. They've Now they've subtracted Jacob Trubo, which is really going to hurt. But they, you know, they had a, a pretty well-defined group yeah. there. I don't and, know. And they are still, they're still so heavily reliant on Bufflin. Like, like he, he, was, he also put up really good numbers last year as well. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, there were all those, uh, that talk he did, he did and miss a lot of time. Or wishing about a Toronto. W- mm. And uh, maybe, maybe that's yeah, it. That's the like, other thing is you wonder if injuries are going to build up. Yeah. Well, and he, he started missing time significantly around the 40 game mark, which is when they basically fell off. Um, so may, maybe it's as simple as, oh, well, there we go. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, they don't have the horses to replace Buffin, but now they especially don't have the horses to replace Buffin because Truba is, is not going to be there either. Yeah. I don't know what else they were supposed to do for the record. Like, Trubo was very explicit yes. in not wanting to play in Winnipeg yes. for years. And so, eventually, they, they waited as long as they could. Maybe they could have waited one more year. I kind of inclined to think that they should have, but that is easy for me to say. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, they're in a tough situation. They're still a team with a huge amount of talent. They've still got an enviable group of offensive forwards. I still think that they should be able to get Line A and Connor under contract without too much difficulty, um, because I don't think the offer sheet is probably going to come. So, you know, it's not like it's all bleak. It's just like for a team that was supposed to be so, so good, potentially, um, it's been a little dicey. Yeah, very much so. Okay, so uh, we should probably wrap this up. This has been a long podcast. This is the longest podcast we've ever had. <laughs> this is the Lord of the Rings of our podcast. Yeah. All right. So uh, thank you all for listening. You can find all of mine and Fulman's work at pensionplanspuppets.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RBNATFulman. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks.